your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue. This, this is the pod, is the for, pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. History's made in Los Angeles, but first, the Knicks survive in Orlando. We'll be talking plenty about LeBron's record-making night later on the show, but we will be talking Knicks here on Orange and Blue Bloods. I'm EJ Stewart, joined with my co-host Tommy Beer. Great show, Londa, for you guys. As I said, we'll be talking about LeBron's historic night in Los Angeles where he passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to become the NBA's all-time leading scorer. This is also our last episode before the trade deadline, so we'll be talking about the last rumors that we're hearing before we get to Thursday. We'll have a Friday episode recapping all the stuff that happens, Knicks or non-Knicks. We will be discussing it on Friday. Um, so we'll give you guys a little preview of the trade deadline here, and then we'll also talk about this big win that happened over in Orlando in a game that was a road game but really didn't feel much like a road game, and Knicks certainly felt that way in the postgame as well. So plenty to talk about on this episode. Joining me is my co host Tommy Beer. Tommy, what's happening, man? Big shot in NBA history last night, something we'll be talking about for a long time. And of course, I'm referencing Jalen Brunson's floater with about a minute left <laughs> with the Knicks up 89-88. Oh man, yes. Incredibly important game. So yeah, good good stuff. A lot to chat about. <laughs> Great stuff there. And of course, uh, if you enjoyed this episode and you enjoyed this podcast, Orange and Blue Buzz, a reminder that this is an Odyssey original that you could find wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto download feature on your downloading streaming service so that you can get these episodes whenever we drop. Like I said, we drop three times a week. This is the second episode this week. We'll have another episode Friday recapping the NBA uh, trade deadline. We're also on YouTube. So make sure you guys check us out there. Uh, we're on the Odyssey Sports channel. If you guys want to watch these episodes, we do it. not only our segments, but the full episode of the podcast is posted on YouTube. So make sure you guys check us out there. Uh, Odyssey Sports is the channel on YouTube. But let's begin talking about this Knicks win. So New York had to overcome a lackluster first half and a seesaw battle in the fourth quarter to beat the pesky Magic in Orlando in front of a near record attendance at Amway Center. That was overtaken by Knicks fans. It was really quite the scene. I I was watching the game. I didn't have the sound on, but I'm just watching the crowd reactions after the big buckets from the Knicks down the stretch. <laughs> you would have thought you were at Madison Square Garden. It was actually incredible to watch. The Knicks had some big buckets down the stretch from Jalen Brunson. As Tommy mentioned, the big shot uh, that wasn't LeBron's, uh, of course, a record-breaking shot. Brunson finished with 25 points in this one. He was 9 of 13 from the field, so a super efficient night scoring the ball for Jalen Brunson. Julius Randle at 22 and 14. Emmanuel quickly came off the bench and added 18 for their Orlando Magic, who I think really were impressive in this game. I think they've been impressive for a lot of the season, despite the record. Marco Fultz had 21. Uh, Franz Wagner, their second-year player, had 18 points. So an impressive showing by the Magic, but nonetheless, the Knicks do get a W. So when you look at this game, Tommy, I talked about how impressive the Magic were. How do you take the Knicks win in this? Because some people will look at the Knicks' struggles in this game and say, why did it take so long to, to get, get the lead and why weren't they able to put Orlando away earlier? Why were they behind so much? But then you may say, hey, they, they showed some grit on the road and they got a win that I think a lot of Knicks fans maybe were expecting them to lose considering the uh, the comeback victory, that's the miracle victory in some ways they had against the Sixers on Sunday. Yeah, I, I, like as we've talked about at various times this year, um, get the W's when you can get the W's. Magic are a good team, not a great team, but, uh, you know, five games over 500. Their previous, I think it was 29, 30 games. Um, you know, they had played well despite the, the terrible start to the season. Some good young talent, well coached by Jamal Mosley. Um, yeah. And uh, Knicks got a victory, uh, you know, on the road. The one thing I was worried about, actually, with all the Knicks fans down in in, in in Orlando was the Knicks might think it's a home game and lose. Right. You know? Yeah, in some ways they played like a home game. Exactly. better on the road. <laughs> um, but to me, the, and also um, – in terms of the closing out the game, um, you know, there was some adjustments made by Tibbs late in the game. We'll kind of get into those details, some offense, defense, things we've been asking for, um, you know, substituting uh, um, Sims and Hardenstein in to get yep. that final rebound. They didn't yep. block out the shooter like they did with Luka, which drove me crazy. Um, yep. But they still got the rebound. Um, and, you know, we'll kind of get into those details. To me, though, the main takeaway um, – and this is the final game before the, the trade deadline. This is the, you know, one of the few final games before the All-Star break. Um, to me, the the, 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 the takeaway is Jalen Brunson and the importance and the impact that this man has had on the franchise since the moment he arrived has been remarkable. 
Um, and it was again last night. They don't win that game without Jalen Brunson taking over down the stretch. Um, big baskets, two floaters, a 20-foot jumper, a dish to uh, Sims for a dunk. Um, anything that goes well for the Knicks in the last five minutes of a close game seems to be made either a basket or an assist off Jalen Brunson's hands. Um, looking at the numbers this morning, they I think they tell the story um, even, even more than we may have thought. Um, Brunson scored his 120th. He made four free throws in the final 10 seconds last night. That fourth free throw was his 120th point in the clutch this season. Um, that is the most in the NBA. He's now one point ahead of the Aaron Fox. Um, for those uh, that might not be familiar, the way NBA defines clutch is if the score is within five points and there's five minutes or less in the game. So anything that falls within those parameters is defined as clutch. NBA tracking data, you know, uh, uh, tracks it correspondingly. And again, Brunson leads the league in, in, in clutch points. It's not just that he's productive in those in those instances. He's also been efficient, shooting uh, 49% from the floor, over 82% from the free throw line. And especially in, in you know, since the, the calendar flipped to 2023, um, since January 4th, which is the second Knicks game, they, 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 they won a 20-point blowout on January 2nd. Yeah. On January 4th, they had a comeback victory. Uh, in the five weeks since, Jalen Brunson has scored 60 points in the clutch. He's shooting 55% from the floor in those in those instances. Uh, that is by far and away the highest number in the league. The only player with more than 35 clutch points over that five-week stretch is LeBron James, who has 51. Um, wow. in incredibly, Jalen Brunson has more points in the clutch, 60, than 10 other NBA teams. Um, again, that a lot has to do with the fact that the Knicks have played a ton of close games. When they're up double digits, they <laughs> give it back. When they're down double yeah. digits, they force it and and, and make a run and, and have close yeah. games. So the Knicks have played the second most um, uh, clutch minutes dur during the span, the Lakers being number one. Um, but again, it just speaks to Jalen Brunson. Um, you know, we've talked about a few things that have happened even within the last couple of days. Brunson outplays Harden in uh, uh you know in a victory over the Sixers Harden's one of the other players that was considered a snub the next day uh Kyrie Irving gets traded out west to the Dallas Mavericks the next day Kevin Durant um it's reported he's going to pull out of the all-star game and then Brunson puts the team on his back again on for a road right. when they win another game that four games over 500 looks like there's going to be two open slots on that Eastern Conference team um with Kyrie shifting over the west probably replacing Steph Curry but now we also have KD sidelined um Jalen Brunson's earned an all-star bid. He deserves an all-star bid. I expect him to be named an all-star replacement um, within the next day or so. Yeah, Jalen Brunson definitely was a story of the game. Brunson was awesome down the stretch. And to me, this was another example of a game last season where the Knicks lose. Like, they don't have that floor general. They don't have that guy that can just beat his man off the dribble and get a bucket or get a bucket for somebody else. Like, how many times last season did we see – and sometimes even this season, team get bogged down by Julius Randle isolation. I think one of the great signs from this game was that they ran the offense almost exclusively through Brunson down the stretch. In fact, the one play where they didn't run through Brunson, Randle fell and traveled. You know, so um, again, kind of like I think it kind of showed them, hey, let's go away from that again. Let's go back to going through Jalen Brunson. So uh, Brunson was spectacular again. I mean, and and to be to his credit too. Orlando's a tough defensive team. I mean, uh, he, Marco Fultz is an incredible athlete. I thought he looked really good last night. He looked great defensively. Jalen Suggs is a great defender as well. I mean, they got dogs in terms of guys who can guard you man-to-man. -man. That's why Brunson only got 13 shots. I don't think he was necessarily trying to hoist them up because that was going to be a tough matchup for him. Two long, athletic, defensive-minded guys gave him problems. He still had 25-9-13, hit some clutch baskets, so – all the credit to Jalen Brunson for, for a spectacular game. And, yeah, I, I take the positive from this game. I'm not going to look at this one and say, hey, you know, Knicks playing against Orlando team that's young and, you know, maybe they should have smacked these guys around considering they had another big game this week against the Sixers. Like, this was a game that I kind of was expecting the Knicks to lose. Like, I really saw what happened on Sunday and said, ah, uh, they're going to go down to Florida. They're going to see all those Knicks fans. They're going to think it's all sweet. And Orlando's going to take it to them. And for the first half, and definitely for the first quarter plus, that's what it looked like, you know. But, um, but credit for the Knicks for, for battling back against a team that I think is on a come up. Like, I don't know uh, if it's next season, but it, it feels like the Magic really are building something. When you see uh, Wagner and Bancaro and, I mean, I, I forgot Jonathan Isaac was a basketball player before this <laughs> a couple weeks ago. But you see him out there battling Randall. He looked good defensively. I mean, 
they got some guys, you know, it's just going to be a matter of whether or not they can uh, have, you know, Bankara, one of these guys really become the superstar that they're hoping. But um, or, or, or if they ever win the lottery, jeez. Or yeah, if they, oh yeah, if they win the lottery and they get win by Yama, the next year, I think they, they're a playoff team. I think yeah. that, that they would take a big jump in just, I think, one year. But, but yeah, you know, the credit to the Magic, I think, for, for, for playing hard that night. That night, they definitely had an effort that could have been worth a win against a, a Nick team that's been good this year. But uh, shout out to the Knicks for, for battling. You mentioned Tibbs's fourth quarter. I, I think this might have been the best fourth quarter Tibbs has maybe ever coached as a Nick coach, which is crazy that we're in year three and it took this long for me to say that. But I was like dumbfounded in a positive way at just like how he adjusted. I, I love that they ran the offense through Brunson. You talked about the offense, defense, substitutions. He was getting crimes in there when he didn't have to. He took RJI one for one defensive possession on the last rebound. He puts in Hardenstein. As you know, I'm watching Orlando throw Bowl Bowl in there. I'm like, oh God, is Tibbs gonna? Is he awake? Is he? Does he see what's going on? And he was paying attention. And the Knicks secured that offensive rebound, uh, defensive rebound. Shout out to Julius Randle for a man's rebound and getting that ball. Like Tibbs, really, he coached a, a masterclass in that last five minutes. Again, uh, no way would I have expected that, but. He did a really great job down the stretch, and he needs he deserves credit for that. Definitely, and he subbed out Brunson on a defensive substitution. Yes, there. he did. And, you know something that we've talked about before. Um, I would have probably liked to have seen McBride in there instead of RJ. Who, um, if uh, uh, speaking of that first half, um, and I agree with you, um, a lot to take away positively. There's a lot of, of pluses. RJ Barrett's regression continues. Um, in the first half, he was awful. He's had some awful yes, halves this year, but he that was arguably his, his most of his one from seven from the floor. And defensively, he was lost. Um, yeah. Franz Wagner was just eating him for lunch, you know, losing him back door over the screens, wasn't seeing the floor. To RJ's credit, bounced back in the second half. Um, not had, it was one for 20 from three and then banked in a three. I think that kind of helped him get, you know, helped him get going. Um, he'll take it. Um, you know, but uh, the more we've seen over the last couple of weeks, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to make an argument that RJ deserves minutes over IQ and Grimes. Um, the way those guys have played those way, the way those guys contribute on both ends of the floor. Um, I don't think, you know, uh, IQ is a perfect fit with that second unit. He's basically the team's sixth starter anyway. Um, so I don't think you necessarily need to make a move. Um, and RJ is yeah. a pride guy, understandably. So, you know, he's not going to be yanked. I don't think he'd respond positively to that from the starting lineup. Um, but RJ, you know, if the Knicks are going to, secure the six seed, you know, make a run towards, you know, and, and just kind of uh, it, it continue their development, not only the next two months, but the next two years, the next five years, um, RJ is going to have to start moving in the right direction. And there are some worrisome signs, you know, maybe I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, maybe he was overcoming he that was illness sick. And he was, right, he was, yeah. he was sick on Sunday. So he's working his way back to me. Then Tibbs, then it's incumbent on, you know, Tibbs has to take him out, not playing 13 minutes in the first 16 minutes of the game. Um, yeah. You know, on, on the night, um, he was negative nine. He was minus for minus 15 in 13 first half minutes um, and minus nine on the evening, whereas IQ was plus nine. Um, you know, so we'll have that conversation another day. Um, but again, it's a, a, another little warning sign for me um, that uh, you know, cause for concern, shall we say. Um, does that get, you know, if, if the Knicks trade for OG? Um, which doesn't sound likely, but we'll, you know, we'll talk mm -hmm. about it at the end of the show. Um, the kind of consensus thinking probably would be that RJ would slide to the two and bump Grimes to the bench. I don't know if that's a, you know, a, again, at this point, um, it's hard to make the argument that RJ's earned minutes over either IQ or Grimes. Yeah. I mean, RJ now, I, I, I did think that he, he, he lost Franz once in the fourth quarter, which was a, a bad backdoor, but he, he definitely picked it up defensively in the second, in the yes. second half, which is, yes. which continues to be his story is that yes. he can have these miserable first halves where he's kind of killing the team. And then, you know, he had, I think he had a big three in that fourth quarter as well. So it, 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 it it's too, it's too much inconsistency. You know, he yes. needs to play consistent. Um, I still feel like he really hasn't, and I talked about it on the last on one of the other podcast episodes. Like, you know, Tibbs had mentioned that, you know, they feel like he's still getting back from the time off from the finger injury. Like, I still feel like he hasn't been 100% right since then. But at the same time, this has been kind of, again, like I said, his story, not just before that injury. I mean, it's been his story. I mean, not just since that injury, but his story before that injury. So uh, the defense has to get better. He has to play four quarters of defense. You can't have what, what you had. Uh, for that first half in last night's game. And I do think that I agree. I don't think taking him on a starting lineup really makes that much sense because I, I don't think he'd respond to it. I also don't know 
depending on the matchups that I want Quentin Grimes guarding threes like consistently. Right. Like that sounds like that would be not necessarily the best use for him. So right. RJ has to start three as long as this is the yes. roster we have. Um, yes. But yeah, closing games, depending on the lineups, like I think it's a night to night basis. I think if RJ is struggling, then uh, I don't think he should be out there. If he's playing well, he's giving you offense, which we know he can, um, like he did against Miami, then he should be out there. But yeah, I do think it's becoming more of a game to game basis. It's not necessarily automatic that he's out there. It's right. it's it's a little it, it is what it is. I do think from uh, the coaching standpoint to see how much Julius Randle killed the team last year and how Tibbs closed with him pretty almost every single night. And now to see that this is happening to RJ, I'm sure that's why RJ was a little upset a couple of games ago uh, when Tibbs said that, you know, uh, you know, we're doing what's best for the team when there was plenty of games last season when it was best for the team for Randall not to finish the game and for either RJ to play the four or Obi to finish the game. Um, but nonetheless, RJ's got to play better. If he wants to stay on the floor, he can't, he can't play the way he played in that first half. No question. Agreed. And, yeah, one, and just yeah, one, one other thing on on um I just meant to mention with uh um Brunson is it, the 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 value of his contributions late in the fourth quarter and crunch time is is increased is highlighted by the struggles that uh, Randall and Barrett have had closing games. You yeah, know, we saw it last season. Um and and you know Brunson has more has more points in the clutch than Randall and Barrett combined this season. So um you know the the NBA has that new award this year the the, the clutch player of the year. Um, I think right now, um, Brunson's the odds on favorite to win it. I think he should win it. Um, you know, again, not just because of his production, but also his efficiency and how important that has been. Knicks have 16 games this season uh, with crunch. Uh, they've won 16 crunch time games um, this season. They that's more than they had all. Uh, they had 18 all of last year. Uh, 12 the, the the two years before. I think 13 the year. But you know, so just again, um, tons of praise uh, for to Jalen Brunson. Um, the, the way he's turned around this franchise uh, in a short period of time really has been remarkable yep yep absolutely and brunson's efforts helped the knicks improve to 30 and 26 four games above 500 they're now in a kind of statistical tie with the miami he five so uh he have a slightly better winning percentage hence why they're still the, the six seed right now but uh right now same amount of games back behind boston for the first seed nine games so knicks are in good position continually and we talked about this stretch of games being extremely difficult stretch the knicks haven't really treated it as such they've essentially treaded water without mitchell robinson like i, I think that if you're a nick fan for whatever reason there seems to be a lot of conversation about the negativity about the team not being better than they are and why are they a championship contender i mean look they they're they've treaded water against some of the best teams in the league and they don't have mitchell robinson i think when mitchell robinson comes back I think you do wonder, hey, can this team get to that sixth spot? Can this team compete in a first-round matchup with some of these top teams? I think it's going to be a more interesting thing to follow than maybe people considered when Mitchell Robinson went down. And I do want to give a shout-out to the Knicks fans that we're in Orlando. It's not go unnoticed from Julius Randle, who talked about that after the game. Yeah, they always show a big here, so you know, it's fun uh, playing here. It almost feels like a home game. So shout-out to the Knicks fans, Julius Randle mentioning how it felt like a home game. They were awesome. Uh, <laughs> and way to see them. Uh, takeover was pretty awesome. So big Knicks win. Uh, credit to the guys for, for getting it done. But uh, let's move. One, yeah, go ahead. One, lastly, just on, on, on that point about the, the the tough stretch of the schedule. Basically, we had said if the Knicks can get to the All-Star break at 500, you, you, you know, you take that all day long. Um, they're four games over 500 with four games left before the All-Star break at Philly, Utah at home, Brooklyn at home. Um, looks like uh, Durant won't be available and yeah. at Atlanta. So if the Knicks can win just one of those games, they're above five, two games above 500. Even if they lose all four, they're at 500. Um, so really uh, commendable job by the Knicks for keeping their head above water. Difficult stretch. No Mitchell Robinson. Um, and there's still four games over 500. Yeah. And now you start to get greedy. You kind of wonder if they can even improve that because you look at those teams, you say, hey, no world beaters. No. Before that, you would have said, oh, well, Mitchell Robinson is going to be tough. But, you know, Nets don't have Kyrie. Uh, Atlanta still is kind of tend to be, you know, we'll see what they do at the trade deadline. All those guys are still on the team. Um, Utah, you know, maybe sellers. They may not be guys on their team by the time they play them. So uh, yeah. now you're looking at a test that looks very difficult. And you say, hey, maybe could you win three out of four? Could you at least split? You know, yeah. so so uh, so Nick's in good shape right now. But let's let's talk about uh, this trade deadline. Uh, this will be the last pod before Thursday's deadline. We have a few rumors to chew on. But first, I do want to uh, uh, play some sound from Jalen Brunson, who talked about what he's expecting or not expecting during the trade deadline and how he feels about where the team is right now. As professionals, our job is to show up every day and uh, play basketball and uh, let the front office deal with all those situations. But um, 
Uh, I love my teammates. You know, getting to know these guys, they've been welcoming um, for the guys that were here um, for me. And um, the relationships we've made with these past couple of months have been special. And uh, so I love these guys, and that's all I can say. So we'll see how many of Brunson's teammates remain on the team after Thursday. Michael Scott was reporting today that the Knicks have expressed interest in Portland Trailblazers forward Josh Hart. Hart is averaging 9.5 points a game on 50% shooting. He's also averaging six rebounds. He's also a Villanova grad, similar to Jalen Brunson. So interesting note there. Also, uh, Knicks appear to be out on the OG Anubi speech stakes, which Tommy mentioned earlier. So Yahoo's Jake Fisher was on uh, SNY's The Putback, and he said that the Knicks are not actively pursuing a Raptors combo forward OG Anubi. He says there are a number of teams who still are, and there's a chance that OG does get traded, but it doesn't appear like the Knicks, or the Nets for that matter, are in on OG Anubi. So I want to start with the Josh Hart fit first, because I'll be honest, like Josh Hart is a guy I've been trying to get on the Knicks, you know, in my conversations on Twitter and with people who are fellow Knicks fans for years. Like, I, I feel like he'd be an absolute perfect fit for the Knicks. I liked him during the draft. And the fact that the Knicks have been interested in him in the past, it's not surprising that the Knicks are once again circling the wagons on Josh Hart as Portland Trailblazers reach a tough decision about where their season is going. Do you like the fit of Josh Hart on this Knicks team? Yeah, it's hard not to be a fan of Josh Hart if you if you're a fan of winning basketball. Guy just does yeah. what it takes to win. Um, I think it was earlier this season or maybe late last year he had a 20 rebound game at the Garden. Um, you know, it's a guy that just contributes on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, dating back to his Villanova days, a winning player um, can score if you need it, uh, can defend if you need it, versatile, can guard the two, the three, um, and, and and slide it kind of across the perimeter. Um, you know, is willing to make the, the hockey assist, uh, be a connector offensively, um, can can score on all three levels. Not a great scorer, um, but but decent uh, efficiency wise, um, good teammate guy, good locker room guy. Um, so depending on the cost, um, we'll see if the, the Blazers are just looking to, you know, kind of shed salary tax and, you know, maybe add, um, you know, so, some young component pieces, you know, whether they would take back Cam Reddish to get up the salary. But Hart's also on a good on a good contract as well. Yes, so, he is. Um, very, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, I, you know, definitely um, in terms of adding a, that rotation piece um, gives you some flexibility. We've talked about RJ's struggles. Um, Hart's definitely a guy that, that could switch, you know, start at the three would be happy coming off the bench. Um, uh, so that that's definitely something to get excited about. We'll see if the, the I, my assumption is if the Blazers are willing to move him, there'll be plenty of teams uh, pursuing his services. Um, so we'll see what the Knicks would be willing to put on the table. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, you know, Josh Hart, first of all, an all-time, like, uh, like locker room kind of guy. Like, a, a guy that, you know, teammates love him, coaches love him. Like, I remember when uh, they brought him into Portland, and I think he had a kind of a conversation with Chauncey, like, you know, why am I, like, still playing? Like, not necessarily he cared, but just that, like, they were kind of tanking, and they were a lot of young guys, and, you know, he was taking a lot of shots for them. <laughs> you know, like, he was playing a lot of minutes. They won today had that big come back and get to Knicks and play a lot of minutes in that game in Portland. And I think Chauncey had told him like the way you, the way you approach the game, your professionalism, the way you uh, uh, play every single night hard, like other guys on this team, these young guys that we're trying to develop, like they need to see that. Like if they don't see that, then like, you know, us throwing them out there without someone to kind of like lead the way is pointless. And we need you to take that role. And Chauncey was, so happy with Hart and how he kind of led them through the, those years, those those games without um, without Damian Lillard to end the season, as they were moving towards a youth movement, and that Josh Hart was a, a professional and that he really gave them great games last season down the stretch, and in this season now switching to another role where now you're right, all right, now you're more of a defender, you're now more of a you know get your points where you can kind of guy, but you're gonna rebound, you're gonna hustle like. I, I just always been a Josh Hart fan. I mean, I know I watched a lot of Big East basketball, so I watched him at Villanova, but I thought he was a, a great player at Villanova. I, I would love to see Josh Hart here. I think that in some ways, if there were certain guys that said, oh, this guy is like built to play for Tom Thibodeau, Josh Hart is a guy on the short list of guys in the NBA currently. I mean, he, he seems like right from the, the tips era of basketball. So I would love Nick to get, get him in here. Um, you know, whether that's, trading cam out if they get cam out of here and they get josh harding that that's an absolute coup especially when you're hearing that you know they may buy out cam which is insane that 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 this is what it's come to but if they can get cam out here or they can get derrick rose out of here um and bring in a guy that's he'd be the perfect wing that can come in and and and, and when rj is struggling defensively you could say okay 
we don't have to commit to maybe a smaller, you know, three guard lineup of IQ Brunson and uh, Grimes. We can actually put Josh Hart out there. He can guard a small four, you know? So, uh, so there's a lot of reasons I think to, to think that Josh Hart would be a good fit. What did you make of the OG Anunoby report that the Knicks are out? Of the yeah, I, I I would love for the Knicks to get OG. Uh, we've talked about it uh, previously. Um, you know, uh, we'll see if it. You know, again, there's probably a lot of smoke. A lot of we'll see what direction the wind's blowing. Um, we're about recording this at one thirty. Yeah. on on wednesday so we still got another you know 25 and a half hours or so um before the deadline so there surely will be a lot of rumors and, and speculation and innuendo um tonight tomorrow morning um and my hope is that actually the knicks you know the, the buzz and the, and, the, and the kind of chatter around knicks and, and og picks up a little bit i i just think he would be a great fit on this team um you know you talk about um whereas rj is not a great fit kind of a, a high volume scorer um, you know, can contribute. Uh, he and, and to RJ's credit, he made some good passes uh, last night as well. Um, but, you know, OG's a guy that if you slide in between, if, if, if Randall and uh, um, and Brunson are kind of your two bookends, um, to have OG in the middle, a 3 and D wing defender, um, leads the league in steals, just a, a really one of the, the better um, perimeter defenders, wing defenders in the NBA. Um, you have your scoring lockdown um, in, in uh, um, in Brunson and Randall, then you then you have a defender in the back line in in Mitchell Robinson, a defender on the front line in OG and on the wing. Then you had Grimes who can shoot the three, but also defend. Um, I just think that's a great combination, a great mix. Um, you know that does obviously complicate issues with RJ uh, with with RJ Barrett, assuming he's not sent to Toronto in the deal, um, which is a little difficult due to his poison pill contract and the the max extension. He's not the max extension, but the rookie scale extension he signed. Um, and then there's you know how does the minutes impact uh, primarily RJ IQ and Grimes, um, so it's not it's not a perfect fit by any means. But I just think the player and the player type, uh, he's the prototypical small forward that fits well alongside a, a Randall and Brunson kind of tag team one four. Um, so that for that reason, um, I think it'd be a really solid fit. Um, obviously, the, the 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 cost is 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 the, the you know right. the determining factor. Um, you know, Ian Begley had reported that there was three first round picks uh, potentially put on the table um obviously and as we've talked about time and time again uh are they protected picks are they the picks from the wizards or the picks from the Bucks or the knicks unprotected picks all that would have to get sorted out um but just in in a vacuum um i would be very interested to see what the raptors would accept for uh, og and and what the knicks could get back and the other issue um finally on on adenobi is he only has one year left on his contract, then he can opt right. out and become a, a free agent as a player option, which you assume he'll exercise. Um, the talks behind the scenes, is he, is he willing to sign an extension this offseason? You kind of assume if you give up that extent of draft capital for a guy um, that you have had conversations with him and his agency, um, and they've kind of come to an understanding on the general terms of a, of a, of a uh, long-term contract. Um, but to me, if you if that's a guy still young, 24, 25 years old, um, that uh, you can lock up and, and bring into your organization, have him grow alongside Brunson um, and the rest of the rest of the gang. Um, that's a player I like a lot. Yeah, I, I think that OG is a is a really solid player. I mean, I've noted that I, I felt like some of the interest in him has been a little overblown on this. On the, you know, I said on the, on the last podcast. Um, so to me, the Knicks bombing out to me tells me that the price tag just got too high. Like I, I think that if the Knicks could get him, I think that they would have got him. But I think they're probably asking for, uh, you know, unprotected picks for OG on Newby. And look, we saw what Rudy Gobert went for. So as long as that is the baseline, like part of me yeah. kind of hopes that maybe the Kyrie Irving trade could kind of, uh, what's the word, kind of reset the market a little bit. Like, I think regardless of Kyrie's issues, I think we all think he's better than Rudy Gobert. Like, I, you know, he only went for one unprotected. So I was hoping maybe that that would reset the market. Maybe okay. that hasn't happened yet. Uh, but But considering what, Rudy Gobert went for with what you know John Murray went for that these teams are going to now try to you know stick up any team that's trying to trade for a starting a plus starting player you know I, and uh, I think that's a that's a real big reason why we haven't seen anything you know it's, it's right. been tumbleweeds across the NBA you know usually there's a bunch of trades in days leading up and you know we still have an hour left I think all these teams were, are holding on to OG and and the other players um and expecting that Rudy Gobert Hall 
which is just unrealistic at this point. I think the re- the other GMs are like, listen, that was an outlier, you know, like the, right. the market yeah. needs to recalibrate, you know, like we're, we're, you know, and until you guys come back down to earth, that's why I think in like the hours before the deadline, some teams are going to say, okay, they're finally, I guess we have to re accept the sellers have to accept the new parameters. Um, Kyrie is a different case because there's just the old headaches and toxicity right. involved. Yeah. Um, but to, yeah, to your point, I mean, they're, they're, there's very unlikely to be a player traded that's more talented or better than Kyrie Irving and his yeah. and that return was was relatively limited so um, we'll see if that does in fact we'll see I think it's I think it's a great game of chicken going on right now between the because the sellers know there's only a handful of sellers because the teams are so yeah. tightly bunched that there's there's a lot of buyers and very few sellers and the sellers have seen that you know you trade and someone close to an all-star caliber player you get a ton back um, you know, via Gobert and the and the Dejounte Murray deal. Um, so that's kind of what they're holding out for. Whereas the buyers are saying, "Listen, that you know, we don't let. We're not going to make the same mistakes the other team did. So if you want to hold on to a guy and you know get a closer to free agency and you know spend the second half of the season in purgatory, so be it. Um, but we just can't match those those exorbitant price tags." Yeah, I mean, if you're not dealing with the Charlotte Hornets, the Detroit Pistons, the Spurs, or the Rockets, you're you're dealing with a team that has a shot to make the playoffs. That's it. There's only four teams in the NBA you're looking at and say, okay, they're way too far gone. They're not going to make the playoffs. We talked about the Magic, who the Knicks just beat. They're only three games out of the last spot of the play-in. Now, should they try to get that play-in spot? I would say maybe probably not. Like, they should probably just tank and try to get to add a Wimbayama to their squad or maybe a Scoot Henderson or some of those other young guys, the Thompson Twins, to their their squad. But, you know, the Lakers who played, we're going to talk about in a second, you know, they're definitely not tanking. They're definitely not tanking. They don't have a first-round pick, I believe. I, I know if they do, they definitely don't. They're not tanking at this point. So, like, they're, they're, those are it. That's it. Four teams that you can say, okay, those teams are definitely sellers. Like, you could probably get someone cheap, which, is you know, in some ways I think helps a team like the Rockets because we've heard about these Eric Gordon trade rumors. But they're like, hey, we're, we're the only real sellers that have a piece that anybody would probably want, you know, yep. them in Detroit. So they're like, uh, we, we're going to hold off to get maybe we can get an extra – first round pick or an unprotected pick you know so uh and then people assume utah will be in that mix but i mean who knows what danny Ainge wants to do so it's uh it's 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 that that does make it tough that does make it tough and i do think it it, it makes it interesting regarding how many big moves will happen like i'll be honest i come into this trade deadline not expecting the knicks to really do anything of significance like i think that maybe cam is traded but they're not going to get anything back. I think of value, like my like pipe Josh Hart would be a dream. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think Cam will be traded for a box of cookies, more or less. And I don't know if there really is an upgrade because I think that, like you said, a lot of these teams are playing this game of chicken, and somebody's going to say, "All right, I'll give over the two first rounders. I need to get X player or that player." It happens every year. It may not be a lot of deals. Like I don't think there's going to be a lot of big deals. There's only going to be a couple. I don't think Nick's going to be a part of it just because they're going to see that the price tag is going to be too high. And, and it only takes one GM, as we always say. It only takes one GM to say, okay, I'll do that deal. Just like it took only one GM to do that Rudy Gobert trade. It only takes yep. one GM to say, all right, I'll give the four first-round picks needed for OG Yanugi or whatever. So I think when you see what the Knicks do this offseason, I mean, this trade deadline, I, I think that the roster is going to remain much the same. Uh, I think that Obi Toppin will still be here. I think that Derrick Rose may still be here. Uh, maybe that's a little – that may be more of a chance that he gets traded. They may also – maybe they'll buy him out. I don't know. Well, you can't really buy him out, right? He is – Derrick Rose is a, a player option next year, right, or a team option next year. No, it's a team option. Team, so a team they, option, right. They could, they could buy him out. But, but the benefit of keeping him would be potentially using his salary in a deal in the offseason. So I right, think they, yeah. I would think they, they would hold on to him at, at the very least until the start of next season and then kind of let him go on his way if they haven't. Um, but yeah. up, up until that point, there's still value in that contract for, you know, if, for instance, Josh Hart, you know, if you're looking to clear yeah. salary or something along those lines, a team that would want to get off salary uh, might value uh, that the, because essentially Rose is an expiring contract because the team would then have the option to decline that, that option. Exactly. Would, you know, so. Yeah. So, so, so it's going to be tough, but I, I, I'm not like, you know, last week I would have said, oh, I think there's going to be some moves, but as we get closer, I'm, I'm just looking at the, the landscape right now. I just don't see it happening. I think that you won't see many big trades that you may see may, maybe one. Uh, I don't know if it's for a star. I mean, I don't know if people would think OG Anubi is a star. He, you know, he's probably on the precipice, but, um, but I, I don't think you'll see a lot of big trades. Cause I think that you have a lot of teams all competing for the same guys. And, um, 
and the price is going to be too high. I think you'll see a couple teams fold, but a lot of people say, you know what, we'll just go what we got and we'll see what happens. I think if and when the first big trade is made, when the first big trade goes down, I think that might break the dam a little bit and be like, okay, the mm. new price has been established and, you know, okay, we're not getting, you know, uh, Zach Levine or, you know, they both say they, they're, they're set, they're keeping him and the Raptors trade Fred Van Vliet. And, you know, they say they're holding on to Pascal and, and OG. So they just, you know, at, and at that point, then teams say, okay, Eric Gordon's the, the best guy we can get. We might, well, you know, let's, let's see what we have and we'll give it up. Um, I, I don't think the Knicks should be one of those guys to settle for one of those veterans you know i'd rather play mcbride or you know someone along those lines um it's as opposed to giving up draft valuable draft capital um you know for a veteran that doesn't kind of fit the next timeline um the the, uh, the one exception i think is the ob situation again and, and we've been saying it for a while yeah. now um you know if you, if you if you can get some value for him now now's the time to do it because again this offseason you're going to have less leverage because he's going to be a pending free agent at the following season um and again as we talked about if you wait to the next february deadline um and you know in the last night you know last last few nights 13 minutes a game shoots a few three pointers and that's it you know he's just he he's he doesn't have an impact on the game more often than not because he's you know he's just not in a position, doesn't play enough. He doesn't, you know, yeah. doesn't have the opportunities to score in the open floor. You know, when he does, he, you know, he can picks up the pace and gets the, the garden excited and, you know, brings the team some energies, you know, he's improved a little bit on the defensive end. Um, but again, as long as Randall uh, and Thibodeau are here, um, it's, it's difficult to envision that ever that changing at, at any point. Um, so at some point you probably have to recoup your losses. Um, and while you, you could, you could potentially envision him as a piece in a larger, you know, superstar trade, um, the team you're trading him to loses, you know, the, he's less appealing the closer he gets to the free agency. So that's why I think um, this deadline in particular um, would make sense for them to, you know, to, to recoup some of that, that draft capital that they invested him in the eighth overall pick. But we'll see. I, I agree with you. I, I think it's unlikely. Um, but if there is one, you know, rotation player that gets moved, I, I think it, it would be over. Trade deadline Thursday, February 9th, 3 p.m. Eastern. That is when shop closes no more trades can be made something will probably happen i don't know how big it will be but this will be the time to be on your phone make sure you got your uh wove notifications on make sure you got your shans notifications on make sure you got your chris Haynes notifications mark mark stein mark spears all the all the great nba reporters make sure you have those notifications on because they will be breaking news around that time regarding some big trades and, and we'll see if the knicks are involved but uh history was made in los angeles there, oh, Tuesday night as Lakers star LeBron James passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to become M the NBA's all-time leading scorer. James hit a step-back fadeaway late in the third quarter against the Thunder to set the record that the Lakers did go on to lose that game. James was overcome with emotion after scoring the bucket to pass Kareem. His family joined him on the floor. It was a really nice scene in Los Angeles. Uh, Kareem, who was sitting along the baseline, also shared a moment with LeBron James on the floor yeah there was a, a video montage of his career and people saying congrats to lebron for the big night so uh the nba scoring leader of all time now is lebron james how significant do you feel it is for lebron to be holding this record yeah i i think it's an incredibly significant achievement um in, in the resume and there'll be days to to argue about jordan and the goat and all that stuff but i think it's important today just to give lebron his flowers um you know to think about it's rare that we'll get to see a player you know come of age um you know for his entire career and i've had the privilege to do that lebron being drafted in 2003 um i started covering the league about two years later um like i said i've seen him countless i've been fortunate enough to see him countless times at, at the garden um and you know every time is is almost more impressive than the rest um you know the 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 weight of expectations that were were, were thrust upon him as he entered the nba were unimaginable and somehow he's exceeded those expectations you know uh he scored more you know bird and he's he can could be the next bird or you know uh, jordan and magic in that class he scored more points than jordan and everyone else he's hit more three-pointers um than larry bird he has more assists than all but three players in the history of the sport you know cracked the top five uh, or last week um there's just never been a player that has, you know, that, 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 it, that, you know, there's just very few athletes that impact the sports, uh, their sport, the way LeBron has. Um, and for him to, again, with those expectations, making, a, you know, coming from where he came from, you know, homeless for, for weeks and months, 
when he's a you know a young teenager to be thrusted into that spotlight, have a hundred million dollars put in his bank account in his lap, um, and to not be corrupted by it, um, to to, yeah. to marry his high school sweetheart, uh, you know, kind of being a model dad, stay out of trouble. Um, I know I couldn't have kept myself, you know, like at it. It's, it's just hard to <laughs> fathom um, all the, the 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 temptations that were were you know were in his path, and he avoided, stayed on the straight and narrow. Um, and one other thing I just wanted to mention from last night, I thought it was really great um, to see there had been kind of a cold relationship, to put it lightly, between Kareem and, and LeBron. Um, it looked yeah. like that thawed a little bit last night. So credit to, um, you know, yeah, correct, uh, credit to Kareem for kind of taking the high road. Um, they both had kind of, you know, made, you know, kind of comments back and forth. Um, but there was, uh, you know, it seemed like to be genuine um, appreciation and kind of, uh, you know, just, a, 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 again, both sides appreciating greatness. And, and uh, Kareem is a, a brilliant man, a brilliant human being. Um, if you guys don't subscribe to his Substack, I, I would highly recommend it. Um, he wrote some uh, about LeBron's passing last night. Um, one of the quotes I found really great was um, uh, Kareem says, it's as if I won a billion dollars in a lottery and 39 years later someone won two billion his winning in no way affects my winning um it's just a mature you know way to lens through which a lot of other players would be jealous or you know we we see it time after time after time um you know kind of the older generation knocking down the newer generation um but you know kareem seems to move past that and i hope that those two guys can sit down together they're both in la um they're both uh, you know, community oriented individuals. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think if they get on the same page, they can do a lot to help the community. Um, and, yeah. and, and there's, you know, there's, there's just so much that each brings to the table. And I think they both have, they both go about things in divergent ways. Um, but I think their end goal is very similar. Um, so I, I hope that they can kind of have a sit down now that, that, you know, maybe this pressure has been relieved or whatever and, and, you know, and, and kind of use their forces together, um, you know, combine their intelligence and their, and their empathy and their kindness and their generosity and their charity. Um, because paired together, that's a really, really um, dynamic duo. And I, I hope we get to see it in the near future. Yeah, I I echo a lot of those sentiments. Um, one, I, it was funny. People kept talking about how Cream didn't look <laughs> as pleased that LeBron was scoring those points. I think you got to give him some grace. I mean, like, I, I'll be honest. If I had a record for 40 years and I knew it was about to be broken, I would not be happy. Uh, I, it would be hard for me to fake being happy. And I think mm-hmm. Green was trying his best. He's a 75-year-old man. It's 75-year-old yeah. people ain't, ain't faking the funk for a lot of things. So um, he was trying his best sitting there. But as you saw, he got close. Then you started to see the smiles. And, and I think that you saw, obviously, when he got on the court, gave him the ball, the pictures, and the words, not just in the, the sub as you mentioned, but even in the post game to TNT, all very high praise of LeBron. And I agree. I, I hope that those two guys can kind of um, – you know, form some kind of bond because they're, they're too important to the game to have any long-standing beef. I was actually a little worried that there would be something, only because it it it, it seemed like there was legit bad blood. Like to yeah. me, yeah. like the way like, and I don't know if necessarily I think Kareem was picking on LeBron, but I think LeBron had done some said some stupid things that deserved criticism. Now I think Kareem had no he took no qualms with saying, "Hey, I'm gonna take the, this shot now, knowing that this is gonna yeah. be the guy that's gonna break my record." But yeah. um. And then someone saw LeBron saying, I don't care about Kareem when they asked him earlier in the season about breaking the record. So uh, it was great to see that that seemed to be put aside for last night. And there was no drama involved with that other than some weird Kareem memes of him sitting on the sidelines. Uh, it was awesome. Like I, I, I tweeted it yesterday. Like to me, it's LeBron, Kareem, Serena Williams, and Tiger Woods. Those are the only athletes I think in, in, in sports history, at least in, Nash, in North American sports history, Maybe Wayne Gretzky, I don't know what his hype was because I wasn't alive during that time and I'm not close to hockey. But you can say those guys had immense amounts of hype, that they would maybe be the greatest to ever play in their sports. And you can say that those uh, gentlemen and women in Serena Williams, they reached that goal. They essentially uh, lived up to immense, unimaginable hype. Like, people forget, like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, when he was in high school, people said that this was probably the greatest basketball player who ever lived in high school. Like, I know it's the 60s, so people maybe don't understand quite how much hype there was around Kareem when he was Lou Alcindor playing at Power Memorial in Harlem in New York City. But, like, he is – he was a New York basketball legend as a 15-year-old. So, the fact that LeBron is passing him, I think also there's that significance, too, because these are two child prodigies that now – uh, one and two 
in the rankings. And I think LeBron, in some ways, he's a perfect person to have this record. Like, I know I'm a big wrestling fan, so I always think of things in a wrestling mindset. And to me, if this was like Vince McMahon booking uh, the history of the NBA, like if you had to pick one athlete to pass Kareem for this record, like LeBron absolutely would have been the choice. Again, like you talked about being on the straight and narrow, we talked about being a great community advocate. Uh, uh, being a, just a good man overall, Tommy's saying I would have been in the streets if I was LeBron James. I would be in these streets. I like Tommy's like don't 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 give me that money in that. Man. I, I would have been a whole different story, you know. So the fact that like LeBron has has, has been a, a class guy for for pretty much his entire career that he's played the game the right way. Um, yes. he's a great he's a great ambassador for the league. So I think it's awesome that if this record was going to be broken by anybody, that it was. LeBron James. Um, it's it's an incredible accomplishment to put up the points he he's put up over this long stretch of his career, 20 years, still playing at an extremely high level. I didn't think this record would ever be broken because I I know I I I'm, I'm a you know bas- I, I I don't want to say I'm a basketball historian, but like I I love the history of the game. So I would pour over Kareem's stats, just looking at the longevity and how long he played. And I look at these numbers, I'm just like. There's just no way anybody could play that long, that late in their career and still be effective. And LeBron, the fact that he was able to do that, uh, you can't say enough but just about how how awesome and, and amazing he's been. So so major congrats to LeBron James. And, and he's still averaging 30 points a game this year. We know he's going to yeah. be playing until his son comes into the league. I mean, that's that that's the thing. He made a commitment early on. Like, I'm going to – so many great players, and like Kobe talked about, how you, you, know, you maximize your talent. Like, there's been, you know, so many talented players in the NBA from – Isaiah Ryder to the all the baby Jordan and, and, and all the other guys yeah. that just you know had, had had an immense amount of talent and you know sometimes it's uh, you know their their knee blows out or their Achilles yeah. pop, you know like yeah. things out of their control but the the you know when the when you prepare and treat you know and you take as serious longevity as as LeBron has it it pays dividends down the road down the road down the road um, and and it's extremely rare for a player with his um, otherworldly, and make no mistake about it, he was blessed by the basketball gods with the perfect frame and, and, and right. strength and combination of size and athleticism. Um, but his basketball IQ has always been the most impressive thing to me, the way he makes the right play. Um, you know, the, 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 for the longest time, the criticism against Le- LeBron was he wouldn't shoot in the close. You know, yeah. he, he, he passed the Danielle Marshall in the corner when that was the right <laughs> basketball play. Um, yeah. You know, it just always impressed me that he didn't feel pressured by others to try to score too many. Um, and and so to see him being recognized as the, the, you know, and that's something for the rest of his life, he'll be introduced as the leading scorer in the NBA, a four-time champion. Um, it's just it's, it's so much credit to him and the work that he put in um, and, and proof that if you approach the game the right way and you love her, she'll love you back. Um, and it's just it was just really cool to see. And I think just for the, the next generation, the kids growing up who love this game the way you and I do, like, I think it would be great to also say, hey, the, the, the guy who has the most points in NBA history, he was a guy that did make the right pass all the time. Yeah. He's a guy that's also top four or five in assists, or he's going to finish top four or five in assists. Like, he's a, a, a model citizen. He's a guy who's a team guy. Like, you know, not to say that if it was Kobe or Jordan or somebody that it would be any different, but right. like, I think to, to, like to me, if you're a youth coach in, in anywhere in America, yes. like this is the best thing you could tell any young player that's coming up saying, hey, you know, the guy who scored the most points ever, that guy always made the right pass. That guy always made the right play. That guy was always a good teammate. Like, yep. it, like what more could you ask for? Like, I remember we talked about LeBron's, uh, you know, coming up. Like, I wanted to tell the story. I kind of forgot. Like, I was playing basketball at Riverside Church, um, playing AU ball. I'm like 10 years old. You know, Tobias Harris is on the team. Like this, like it, it was, you know, a real serious thing. We have a practice and we didn't practice. And, you know, usually it was in a drive home to Queens where, you know, my parents and we were living and all the, the, the parents were like, Hey, are you guys going to New Jersey? And they're like, we were like, what's in New Jersey? Why would we be going to New Jersey? It's like, Oh, this uh, 16, 17 year old kid is high school junior. LeBron James is playing in the primetime shootout in New Jersey. Um, and it's going to be, they're playing Oak Hill Academy. They didn't mention him, but Carmelo Anthony was playing in that game. Um, and they're like, this this guy is supposed to be the next big thing. And, you know, my, my dad, you know, who loves basketball, too, is kind of, like, interested because he loves basketball. He's like, I'm not going to New Jersey. <laughs> like, well, like, I mean, that's very interesting that this guy is the next big thing. He was kind of intrigued. But, 
But right. the idea that, you know, he's being told by Tobias Harris's dad, hey, we're going to see LeBron James now. You guys should come at 16 years old. And that now I'm talking about this guy on the podcast being the all-time NBA leading scorer. It's still kind of hard to wrap my head around. And and to and to your point, to your dad's point, like every there was a new next guy every year, you know, every when yep. if it was Dewan Wagner or um Lenny yeah. Cook or you yeah. know, whoever was, you know, Felipe Lopez, all these guys were gonna be that next guy, and none of them ever pan out. Some of them are pretty good, some of them are even make it to the NBA, some of them are all-stars in the NBA. Yeah, no one has ever lives up to the hype. And LeBron had more hype than anybody, and somehow he exceeded it. Um, is is almost unimaginable. Yep. Uh, big congrats to LeBron James. Also, uh, as we head out here, I want to give a, a shout out to Jericho Sims. It got completely lost in the sauce because he, he the news came out right as uh, LeBron was breaking the record that he will be in the slam dunk contest. So congrats to Jericho Sims. Hopefully he can keep slam dunk championship uh, in New York. Obi Toppin won last year in a championship that a lot of people didn't really like. But hopefully this dunk contest will be much better and that Jericho Sims uh, will do a great job. He's replacing Shaden Sharp, who uh, has backed out of his commitment i don't know if he's hurt or what the deal is but he's not going to be in it and also shout out to jalen brunson who will be getting his jersey retired at villanova our producer james works at uh villanova basketball will be there brunson did talk about this uh so i do want to play jalen brunson talking about the uh honor of being uh having his number retired by villanova very excited uh honoring uh experience it's um it's 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 pretty crazy i don't i don't really have anything to say besides the fact that I didn't really go to Villanova to get my jersey retired. I went there to be a part of something special, and um, they returned the favor and more. So um, from the basketball side to the rest of the sports to the academic side, everything. And um, at all facets of Villanova, it's been, it's been special. Yep, so shout out to the Jalen Brunson for the honor of getting his jersey number retired uh, this week. Shout out to, of course, uh, Jericho Sims entering the dunk contest. And shout out to LeBron James, the NBA's all-time scoring leader. Give everybody a round of applause. Uh, everybody getting on it this, this week here on the Orange and Blue Bloods podcast. But that's going to do it for this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. Tommy, let people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. And check out the Substack. What's on tap with Tommy Beer? We'll be updating it as the trade deadline picks up steam. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, Instagram, Action EJ. Also, make sure you listen to our my uh, my podcast, New Generation Podcast Network, where we talk about not just sports, but also superheroes and Star Wars. So you can guys catch that wherever you get your podcast as well. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Orange and Blue Buzz. Again, all the reasons that you can get wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you hit the auto download feature on your streaming service so you can get these podcast episodes whenever we drop. Friday is our post deadline episode so you know that's gonna be a big episode so make sure you guys are here for that thank you guys so much for listening to us and watching us on youtube for tommy i'm ej thank you guys 